And welcome back to another exciting episode. We've had so much fun here talking about um, 420, as well as talking about all the different stuff that goes behind the cannabis thing that's going on and giving you some interesting facts. So we're going to start out like we do every show with Melinda telling us what's in our tea. Hello. So just continuing on, we are doing cannabis tea again, um, because why not? We are continuing the conversation on cannabis, so going to continue drinking the cannabis tea. And I really like it, and my allergies are kicking my butt today, so I apologize ahead of time, <laughs> but the tea is going to help. Uh, you got to love that pollen out there. <sighs> got to love Florida, got to love pollen. I had allergy issues up north. When I came down here, it was like, oh, it's so bad. And as I get older, they get worse. Yes. And it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. So the cannabis tea is actually, um, it has just a little bit of mint in it, the one that we're using. Um, and the mint is not real strong because really strong mint tears my stomach up. I know that sounds weird, but instead of settling it, it makes it worse. Um, what we have is it has the cannabis in it. It has echinacea in it, mm -hmm. which we all know what echinacea is good for everything. So, yes. um, and it's, it's it, like, it, like immune system. Yeah. And I'm telling you your allergies, it's, you don't realize how much stress goes on your body just in your normal course of the day. Oh, I know. And people forget that, we're not going outside every day and working in the, you know, nature and we don't eat as well as we should. Let's all be honest about it. Let's yeah. you know, be real. We don't. And you don't realize how much stress your body is under just the little things, not the big heavy things. You know, I'm talking just every day, getting up, going to work, um, working with the kids, fighting with the kids. Um, <laughs> oh, well, let's be honest. You fight with them. Um, and then you don't realize that you're, you're tired sometimes. Why am I so tired? Why am I feeling fatigued? Oh, it was a rough day at work. I'm exhausted. All those little things are telling you that, hey, you're mistreating your body and you need to be nice to it. Right. Um, drinking anything with echinacea in it is a way to be nice to your body. Exactly. Antioxidants, um, all of that good stuff. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm way old school. Um, so I don't eat right. Uh, I just don't. Um, I grew up not eating that way. So it, it's difficult to change lifetime habits. It really is. Um, and if you're going to drink a tea, let's be honest. I mean, you find a flavor you like and you drink it. Adding that little bit of echinacea to it isn't going to change the taste that much. But it is going to help you out some. Yes. So I push doing that. Now, this also has, um, you were telling me last I think it week. Had orange peel in it. And it has anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. things going on with it. So um, everybody, let's face it, we sit all day at work, most of us. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And things tend to swell and 
flame up. So having the cannabis tea and with the echinacea and the orange and everything that's in it, um, it does relax you, but it really helps the joints. And yeah. helps that echinacea is helping with your immune system every time. It really is. And actually, I think the blend, there's two different blends that we got. There was a, a moon tea, and this one specifically was for immunity, so like immune right. system. So, so yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you can do, little tiny things. And I always emphasize if you're going to change your life or your lifestyle, when you make those big changes, you never stick with them because they're too dramatic. It's like, oh, my God, I changed everything. You know, it's like taking your room and painting it a completely different color. It takes a long time to get used to. Yeah, it does. So it does. if you do the little changes, you know, just the little ones, um, I now try to get up once an hour while I'm at work and my watch helps me to get up and walk to the copier and walk back, even if I don't need to walk to the copier. Um, yeah. Just little silly things like that. I'm learning that I need to make those changes and drinking tea and drinking a good tea, mm -hmm. um, even just tea by itself is really good because um, it has all kinds of natural good stuff and tea yeah. is distressing just drinking it so you know if you're going to drink it might as well go whole hog and drink it all you know and do what's going to be good for you but right. i really i really try to emphasize little changes so at night rather than having a can of soda or something like that just make yourself and even if you make it a nice tea you know yeah exactly if you prefer the cold yeah and i mean the heat will have some benefits like if you have a scratchy throat or you know obviously a, a hot tea is going to help more with that than a cold one would but you can pretty much take any tea and you know add some ice to it and you'll still get the benefits yeah and that's that's true too so you can still you know get the benefits that's the whole idea is to get the benefits in you without making this huge you know go from an omnivore to a vegan in two hours doesn't right, right. your body is in shock it's like what are you doing to me so yeah. i kind of encourage slow small steps yes and it works better I so agree. now that we've got this wonderful stuff in we're going to continue our talk we're going to talk a little bit about beltane but we're going to do a finish up our talk that we were having um on our wonderful friend here cannabis now we did the history Mm -hmm. last week was all the medical and that was some wonderful stuff you were spewing out over there because it, it, was, it didn't even break the surface honestly there's just so much it was interesting that we already have a cannabinoid system in our bodies it's there and that tells you volumes because you won't have it if it's not necessary right exactly yeah, I thought that was when I when I remember when I found out about that and I was like, what? Like, that's pretty amazing. We have the CB1 receptors that, you know, respond to the the cannabis. It, it, it's incredible to think about. Um, and I am learning more and more every second that goes by about this stuff. And the medical side of it is super interesting. It's very complex. Um, they have a lot of really good books out now. Um, mm -hmm. I was at Barnes and Noble, um, which is my guilty pleasure. 
but I had taken my nephews there. I had my nephews last weekend for a couple hours and their big thing is they like to go to the bookstore. So they're mine, you can tell. Yeah, um, I was that way. <laughs> so I took them with me and of course they were both enthralled. I, one's a teenager and one's not. So, but they both got books and I did um, pick up the book you were talking about. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. I picked it up. Uh, I have been spot reading it and I, you, you look for a section and you just read it because I, I was more interested rather than sit down and read. This is not, I guess you could read it cover to cover, but it's more of a reference yeah. type I, book. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, um, but it, it's good because it hits um, the way it is, the way it's set up, it makes it easy to find. Yes. It's, something specific you want to talk about now like I have issues with and inflammation really bad and it gives you like charts and then explanations so um it I was really I really liked the book um it it's good um it had a lot it's got a lot of information and some of it with this kind of stuff I can only take it in small bites because I have to digest it so, um, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, sometimes I can read a textbook all the way through and then sometimes it's like, oh, we just need what we're looking at and then we're going right. to go along with it. But they have now an entire shelf mm. just on different types of cannabis books. Wow. And some of them were cookbooks. Some of them were how to distill it. Some of them were how to grow it. Some of them were, I mean, it was a whole conglomeration and it, it caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting it. And it was the Barnes and Noble by us changed. They rearranged all their books, which drove me nuts. Um, cause it took me 20 minutes to find where I wanted to be, but we were in a section where it had, um, a lot of the pagan stuff on the mm -hmm. walls. We had all this pagan and spirituality, you had your self-help, your psychology, and then right there's the cannabis. Nice. I'm going to have to check mine and see if there's a section there now. Um, they had a whole shelf full. And I mean, it was, it covered everything. So I was very, very interested and I was very excited because, um, as you know, our state is medical and they just defeated the... Um, the THC cap? Yes, the THC cap. Oof, we were holding our breath for that one. Yeah, so things are moving. Um, I don't know if they're going to move to us being a recreational state anytime soon, but at least we do have the medical advantage, um, yes. and that makes a big difference for a lot of people. Um, and seriously, Florida has most of the retirees. I mean, let's look at where people retire to. They either go to Arizona or someplace like that, or Florida are your two really big states. Right. So it makes sense that they would make it legal down here for medical because then that way um, it actually does help with the older population with everything we've got going on. Glaucoma is usually an older population type thing. Mm -hmm. um, cancer is everybody, but as you get older, you tend to get it more. So that's another whole area. So I thought it was really interesting that um, 
it is medically down here and I, I think it might end up being eventually where it's going to be recreational. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I see it coming. Um, they've got so much CBD oils and things like that out there that I really, I can't see it not taking yeah. that next step. Yeah, it, it really, it, it really just depends on the people that are really wanting the, to hold on to the, you know, like they, um, I think I was reading an article yesterday about the governor of South Dakota and oh. they had, they had passed, they voted, the voters voted to pass, um, legalization, I, I believe for recreational, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, the governor was against it. So she's like trying to do this whole thing where she's saying like it, it, it's, uh, it's like amendment a is what it's called. If you look at uh, amendment a in South Dakota, but she's basically trying to stop it. And there's some sort of loophole where she has like the veto power, even though it was voted. Oh. Um, so that's like a huge thing right now. And I was like, oh my gosh, like. It's amazing to see what states have passed it. Like Mississippi passed it. I was. I know. From I, was shocked. I was I, like, I, I didn't expect them to pass. I expected them to be one of the last states to pass anything like yeah. that. And they voted for medical this past year. That was yeah. pretty, I was impressed by that. They stepped right up and said. And I was like, cool, that is pretty awesome. And um, we have the senator here in Florida. He's actually um, in Tampa, Tampa Bay. Um, and I think his name is Brandis or pronounced Brandis. Mm -hmm. But he's a huge advocate for cannabis in Florida. I mean, huge. Yeah. And the, the commissioner of agriculture, Nikki Freed, she's a huge, huge. And she is... I'm in love with that woman. She is her on what's the name of the magazine? She was, um, they had a whole big article about her. She was um, pot times. Is it high times? High times. Really? She did a whole article. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. She, yeah. I follow her on Twitter and like Facebook and she's really outspoken about, I, I, I like her a lot. She, um, she's looking to the future. She is. Where, um, it's going to get to a point where people are not going to be able to afford their medications even more so now than yeah. before. And the fact that cannabis really is not that expensive if the insurance companies start covering it. Well, and if they pass it recreationally, it would be even cheaper for... Yeah for consumers because I, um, someone I, I ran into like an acquaintance was going to Colorado this weekend and they were so crazy excited because of how much cheaper it is there. And well, funny because my roommate's daughters left Thursday to go to Colorado. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. I'm jealous because they have like whole cabins and stuff you can do there. Mm -hmm. Um, and they bring out like a free, like instead of a mint on your pillow, they bring you like coffee and a joint. It's like a whole thing. I was like, oh my gosh. And they have like 
tree houses where you can like camp in the woods where they do that and you stay like in a big yurt and all this and i was like that sounds really fun yeah it's it's pretty cool um they were they went this weekend so i thought oh that's going to be interesting so they're away for the weekend um because i was joking if they were coming to any of the 420 stuff that was going on oh um but they're enjoying 420 in colorado in colorado in denver in denver yes like wow. yeah. I'm like you're gonna freeze yeah yeah Florida, we can say that uh, <laughs> yeah exactly and that from a Floridian is the worst curse you're ever gonna get may you freeze um, <laughs> that's terrible but um, I'm really super impressed by a lot of the significant advancements that we're making in the medical side um, they're finding out every day that there's something else that this can help. Um, when you're in a, uh, you have a disease that is not going to be cured. Um, right. you have to maintain yourself and it's not always easy. Um, even if your disease is curable, it's still a process. So right. you still are, you know, working through this. Um, I have lupus. It's never going to get cured. It's just going to get worse. So it's kind of like you, you're looking at it going, okay, well, how can I make my quality of life better? Not the quantity, the quality. Right. Um, I want to be able to get out and act like an idiot and do crazy things. You know, I still feel very, very young at heart. Um, the rest of me isn't. But <laughs> I always tease about that because my birthday is Monday and I am over 60. I'll let everybody know that because you can look and tell I'm not 29. Again. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah. I'm starting to claim 59 again uh, <clears throat> for several years now. Yeah, but okay. um, yeah, it's cool. Um, but as you do get older, there are a lot of things that go on. And it seems like this, it's not a cure all. But it's better than a lot of the narcotics out there. And it's a better than some of the other drugs they have out there. Because some of the side effects of some of the drugs are worse than what you got, what you're taking the drug for. Yeah. And, exactly. and everybody knows that's the honest truth a lot of times. So I'm, I'm seeing some wonderful things come out. I'm seeing some great things come out. And I'm seeing some people really um, actually taking the initiative to look into it. It used to be when you talked about pot, it was always the stoner look and, you know, and, and now you're finding out that that's not what it is. And no. yeah, you can get high, but you can get drunk too. So, right. You know, exactly. It's, it's the same difference. Um, exactly. So, you know, I mean, but the advancements and the way the medical community, there's a lot in the community that are embracing it. And seeing that it really works, obviously, you know, more and more states are passing it medically. So there is, has to be some kind of medical value to it for the states to pass it. I, my next big step would be, I would like to see them pass prescriptions where the insurance company would pay part of the prescription because yeah. now you're left on your own to pay it. Um, not everybody can afford it. Let's be honest. Um, if they go recreational, then maybe they don't need to to do the prescriptions because it'll be cheaper then, but I'm looking at it like what it costs me. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I can. The, and, yeah. And with the insurances, 
that's probably not going to happen until it's federally legal. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's just how it is. <laughs> and I think we touched on a little bit how, you know, a lot of the research can be done that needs to be done because it needs funding, you know, federal funding, which because it's still federally illegal, you know, they're yeah, caught. They can't check right. a lot of it because they can't do it. And they can't do testing because again, it's not federally legal, but a lot of the testing they're doing is academic yeah. where they know what, the chemical properties of this plant are and then they know what properties it treats so mm -hmm. some of it is academic which makes sense i mean that's how a lot of your medications get out there exactly. you know and um, um speaking on that so virginia yesterday even though it was voted the governor still signed um the i i believe if I'm not mistaken, I've been reading so many articles are kind of running together um, that Virginia went recreational. They just signed it in on the 21st and they're the first Southern state to pass recreational. Okay. And then someone commented and said on the 21st, really, you, you had a missed opportunity. You should have signed it on the 20th. <laughs> Bro, I was just going to say they screwed that one up, didn't they? Okay. Well, the thing is, it was already, I guess it was already voted, but he still wanted to do the whole big ceremony of having the big bill in front of him and signing it and people clapping. So it was still a, a thing, but it's well, like. It would have been a better thing. if he I know. And that's why they're like, wow, missed opportunity, buddy. <laughs> like oh, you should have done it one day sooner. It would have made it all that much more better. It would it would have made it very sweet. It really yeah. would have. But okay, I got it. Um, but, you know, uh, like I said, they're starting to come around and we're going to see how well it happens. But as we're learning about this, now we're into the best part. We're going to talk about the magical. Um yes. And as soon as you say that, you get everybody doing the whole, like, oh, cool, you know. Um, we're not going to talk about the magical is not a stoner, okay? I, I guess we got to shift our thinking because growing up, that's what you guys were told, that everybody that does pot walks around like, with no brain, and mm -hmm. they're non-functional. Right. And they eat all the time. And they lose, it, you lose your brain cells. That's why they're, ugh. yeah, try drinking. Um, and they've proven that does kill brain cells. Right. There's no question about that. Um, we have a, a wonderful book out that I, I've enjoyed. I've already started tearing pages. Um, I, I'm really bad with books when I read. I'm rough on a book. So, you know, when I've read it, everybody can tell because it's all beat up. Um, this is Phil Farber's. Um, yep. Oh, look at yours. Look at this. <laughs> all these tabs. <laughs> I, don't have, um, I use wire ties, actually. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hey, that's okay. Oh, it's so bad, but, <laughs> but I had it at my desk. Um, but um, it's an interesting book. Um, again, kind of like a reference book because you can look and go to the different sections yes. and read it where, and you're not going to lose anything by doing that um, rather than sitting in, you know, some books you have to do cover to cover because it builds on itself. Right. Um, a lot of these reference types books are 
single chapter so that you can look at that chapter and read it and go, oh, I got that. Um, this, and I, I will be honest with you, this was an easier read for me. That was, that's a little harder read for me because it's, I guess it's more, uh, it's more into like the chemistry yeah. and the biology. It's very scientific. Right. And this, a lot of, a lot of, um, acronyms and <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. The alphabet soup. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I thought I was reading a government manual for a minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is. It's a little tougher read, but it's giving you, um, how can I say it? It gives you the basis that if you want to talk to somebody on a higher intellectual level, you can actually talk it because you can, it, she breaks it down so you can understand it. Right. So if you're talking to somebody now, some of these people, um, and, and it's funny because the pot growers association or the marijuana growers, whatever you want to call them, you're thinking the stoner things, but these people are, are like scientists because they got to do the strains and the crossbreeding and the cultivating and all this mm -hmm. kind of crazy stuff. So you can't be a stoner and do the work they're doing. Right. Well, and, but see, that's the thing is the, the stereotype of the stoner being like, all like, uh, I'm losing brain cells. I don't know where I am. I'm dumb. You know, the thing is, is that that's the, the myth, right? Because we know with sativa, it makes you alert. It makes you focused. It makes you, you know, so that is sort of, and I think I saw a video of a grower. They had done like just a promo video or something, but, um, I mean, they're high all the time, but they're, productive they're getting their work done they're not stupid they're not you know what i mean they're not like incoherent they don't not know what they're doing i've the, kind of equated that to when you think of somebody who drinks a beer mm -hmm. you know, they're not drunk all the time right a lot of us will come in and, and grab a beer and down a beer like okay right. so and we still function you know, mm -hmm. we are still able to do what we need to do. So I think it's kind of along that line. We've got to get rid of some of the, the stereotyping that we have because these guys, oh my gosh, they got to have all kinds of degrees because they got to know how to plant, how to grow, how to cross cultivate, how to keep oh, it. Yeah. I mean, you don't dig a harvest. Hole. <laughs> yeah, you don't dig a hole, shove it in and watch it grow. It does not work like that. Right. Um, I mean, it could, but <laughs> there's a whole, I mean, if you're just growing it just to grow it for yourself, that's going to be a lot different experience than if you're like a breeder that, you know, is actually making like it's different strains. The tomatoes in your backyard are going at where they grow them for, you know, 400 different grocery stores. Kind right. of thing. It, it, it is a big difference. You can be out there and just have your own little tomato and just go out there every day and throw some water on it and pray real hard. And it might give you a few tomatoes. Right. But I, Hey, I can say that I grew up on a farm. I know what it's like to have to work that crap, but yeah. when you're doing it on a large scale like that, you have to be in complete control. It's like any business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these guys are not, um, they're using the product. Like if you were making wine, you're going to drink the wine. You've got to taste it. You've got to check. I used to, to do my, I used to make wine. Um, mm -hmm. so it's tasting it. It's taking the alcohol density. It's checking all of this stuff as you go along. 
as you're brewing it. It's very much like what they're doing. It is very complex. It is not for a beginner. I mean, I, I just, I've read some of this stuff and it's like, holy cow, you need a whole class yeah. in mm -hmm. horror, horror culture just to figure out what they're talking about. Well, and you and I talked about Lake Superior University in Michigan. They have three different programs. One is like a cannabis business a bachelor's degree. And then another one is cannabis chemistry and a bachelor's degree as well. And then they had some sort of certificate, but I think it was either not available or some, it was kind of grayed out. But yeah, I mean, I looked at the prerequisites for that. It's like accounting classes and all sorts of stuff. It's, it's big stuff. But, um, but yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the magical aspect. So we had um, the history and a little bit about that. And then we have the medical and now we have the magic. And this is such a great book by Philip H. Farber. And how I discovered him was um, Ed Hubbard, Lord Ed, um, did a podcast interview with him early last year. And it was about the same time last year. I want to say it was in April. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, as a matter of fact, I think that it is because that's when the book came out. And I think that's what the interview was about. It came out right around 420. And, um, and he interviewed him. And I was just so fascinated by the interview. I'm like, I have got to get this book. Like, I bought the book right away. And... I, I've been holding off on it for a while because trying to do a book club for, or thinking about doing a book club for the order. But, um, I mean, it was so fascinating. And then he did a workshop during our psychic fair in October. And it was just like, I was hanging on to every word. I mean, so intelligent. He knows his stuff. I mean, it was just so interesting and a ton of stuff. I've never heard a ton. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize, well, and not everyone is spiritual, of course, not everyone is pagan or Wiccan, and, and that's fine. And even if you're not, um, you, you have a way to practice in your spiritual practice. You can, and we touched on it a little bit, you can meditate. Um, there's videos on YouTube of people doing the yoga with cannabis. As a matter of fact, there's studios that are opened up on the west coast where that that's the type of yoga it's a cannabis yoga it's like high yoga like that's what you do for the hour so it it really is a thing um and a lot of people don't realize we also touched on you can how you can smudge with cannabis instead of using sage mm -hmm. and you know sometimes people will have the um the little leftovers that don't taste so great and you kind of just dump them off, you know, <laughs> you can actually use those for um, cleansing or you can burn them to smudge instead of consuming it. You can use that instead of using like nice fresh stuff for smudging. I mean, you could, but that's up to you. <laughs> but um, so there's a lot of different things that you can, you can do with it. And I wanted to talk a little bit, so this, and this is such a great book, because it's just, it's not just about magic, but he also breaks down the different forms and the uses, so he does go into some history 
and goes more into about the complexity. He talks about the endocannabinoid system, you know, it's just not as in depth um, because he goes over so much. But to break down the plant, we know you have roots, um, stalks of the plants, leaves, flowers, and um, and they're all different. All different parts of the plant can be used for different things. And we've talked about that before when talking about our teas. Um, you know, you can use a root and a leaf, but not necessarily the flower or vice versa. Or you can use all of them, you know, depending on what you're doing. So, um, and there's little tidbits about each part of the plant. So I wanted to share that. But the roots um, used in folk medicine, we talked a little bit last week about um, treating inflammation, headaches, also difficult childbirth, and a health tonic. And they would prepare by soaking the dried roots in either water or alcohol to create the medicinal decoctions. And um, not you could use roots for different things like talismans or amulets or things like that to carry the, you know, the plant spirit. But, um, the stalks is what you would use for like the hemp to make the rope and, you know, the textiles and things like that. And he went a little bit more in depth. So basically it's when the stalks are soaked in water until the fibers begin to separate. And then that's how you get the fibers, you know, to be able to do with the hemp. And I thought this was interesting. Um, the fibers are then cleaned of any excess organic matter and woven into twine, rope, or fabric. Fabrics made from cannabis are very strong and durable, which we know. Canvas was originally made from hemp. Oh, really? And the word canvas itself is a corruption of cannabis. As was denim. You're kidding. Nope. It says, that's right. The original American blue jeans were weed. It was hemp. You're kidding. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Ooh. I didn't either. When I read that, I was like, no way. Good old Levi Strauss, huh? He was playing a <laughs> plant. I know, right? I was like, that's so cool. Um, now, sometimes the rope, fabric, or raw stocks were used for symbolic or magical purposes. The stalks may be used as magical wands. That makes sense. Yeah, I thought so. Um, impressions of hemp cord pressed into pottery may have been, may have had a ceremonial meaning in ancient China and other places. And hemp fabrics were not only used for durable everyday garments, but also dedicated for um, dedicated ritual robes and other ceremonial clothing. Oh, which I would not have thought about that, but that makes sense. No, but you know, it does. I mean, to make an altar cloth out of. Yeah. Hemp, out, of, out hemp. of the hemp would be interesting. I know. And then it's like oh. to have a ritual robe and hemp and do like a cannabis ritual. I mean, talk about the energy. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that really, was that'd knock you down with the energy. Whew. I know. I thought that was neat. And then, so the leaves moving on to the leaves um, growers in the U.S. would harvest their plants. We talked about that. They would save the, the buds for drying and throw away big piles of leaves. So only recently has the value of the leaves been rediscovered because beforehand 
when you were harvesting, you would just harvest the, the buds and because that's what you would grind up and smoke and, you know, or make whatever you were going to do. But the leaves were often thrown away. So hmm. only recently we found out that the raw, fresh leaves contain large amounts of medicinal chemicals. And we talked about that some uh, last week. But it's usually not psychoactive the way the dried can be. Um, it's a mild stimulant and has antibiotic, uh, anti-inflammatory, and possibly even anti-cancer properties. And a daily fresh cannabis drink can be a wonderful health practice. There you go. You don't <laughs> have to get high to have it. Exactly. Now, this was interesting. So in India, the fresh leaves are made into a beverage called bang. I don't know if it's bang or bong, B-H-A-N-G, which is a, which is sacred to the god Shiva and served to all at festivals in his honor. So it's a traditional drink that is had at all the Shiva festivals um, and everyone participates in it. So um, bang is said to confer joy and long life and is used as a sacramental drink. There are several forms of bang made variously from fresh leaves, dried leaves, or fresh or dried flower tops. And then it goes on to talk a little bit about, um, it actually has recipes and a more modern way of doing it. And you can, um, some people also put the fresh leaves whole in like a salad. Um, if you look at more, if you're, if you start looking into recipes and thing, you'll see a lot of the, like the pastries or things will have like a cannabis leaf in it. And, um, I watched, what is it on Netflix cooked with cannabis. I highly recommend that show. Um, because it is real full on like chefs that know their stuff and they are consumers and they know that side of it. And they just blend this uniqueness of like cooking these really articulate dishes infused with cannabis and they they have like they use powder and they use sugar and oil and all these different things that are infused and they still have to measure it out and do the doses and things like that but it's like they they know it and it's like delicious and there's judges and it's funny because by the time they're on their third course, they're all like, eh. <laughs> well, you know, but it's, uh, it's pretty they're funny. Really enjoying the, um, yeah, the food. But I thought that was really interesting. And then the last part was the flowers or the buds of the, um, plant. And, um, you'll find and that's what you'll find at like the dispensaries. That's, you know, most notably the cannabinoids that you would be getting are the THC and CBD. And that's what you hear about most of all. Um, and then it had mentioned uh, only so, and basically that going into the cooking with cannabis and smoking versus vaporizing. Um, and we talked a little bit about that last time. Um, and he has like a little recipe for green butter, like cannabis butter. So I thought that was that interesting. Seems, the butter and the oils seem to be very prevalent, I've noticed. I guess yeah. because it's easier, they're pretty easy to make. Yeah, yeah, from what I understand, yeah. And they have all the fancy infuser machines now, but 
you can easily do that in a crock pot. Um, and I haven't yet, but I'm going to very soon because I, I need to experiment and figure that side of it out. Um, but and, now that's something I do want to get across to other people. You do not have to smoke it. If you're a non-smoker like me, I've never smoked in my life. Um, although I suffer from COPD from secondhand smoke. Tell me how that worked. Um, but you can, t you can intake it through a lot of different things, through cookies and candies and concentrates and in your drinks rather than having to smoke the actual drug itself if you're not a smoker. Right. Exactly. That's a very good point. And yeah, I mean, they have the edibles, the gummies, I mean, all that sort of stuff you can do. They have powder you can put in your drinks. They have THC powder. I mean, they have all sorts of stuff. They have um, the tinctures that you can put in the drinks. I mean, there's a lot. So, so yeah, you definitely, definitely do not have to smoke it. Um, because there are still concerns of the combustion and the tar and things like that not being good for your lungs. Now, there has been some research that it's actually good for your lung, even if you do smoke it. Um, and I, when I went to um, a doctor, they had said it actually, oddly enough, helps people with asthma, even though you're coughing and, you know, that whole thing. Um, because it's breaking up a lot of that stuff, but it also, because it has the, it's reacting to your body and it's healing things. So I thought that was interesting because I was like, surely with asthma, you can't be smoking it, but they're like, eh, actually a lot of patients said that it improved their asthma. So it, it might very well. It's just like people with like me who have never smoked in their life. Um, I could see us dying trying to do that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because uh, let's face it, I have never done it. So I, I don't know what I'm doing kind of thing. Right. Um, and if you do feel uncomfortable doing it um, because you've never done it before, it probably is better if you look at the, the edibles or the powders and tinctures and stuff. So it's not you're not regulated to having to go in and smoke a joint. You can take it many, many different ways. Right. And the biggest thing is is you have to experiment and find out what works for your body. Yeah. The healing effects are there, but it's just like with anything you, everyone reacts differently. It's not going to be for everyone, but, and that, and that's fine. Um, but it's not what may be too much for you may not be for me or vice versa. And it also, of course, has to do with tolerance and how long you've been doing it. And we've talked about before, the different methods have different onset and different durations. I mean, it's a whole, you know, depending on what method you go. If you're on any kind of drug, you know, prescription, it's the same thing. Right. Exactly. You know, you hear people having side effects and reactions to all sorts of stuff that you would never think they'd have a reaction to. Right. So again, it is finding out what's good for you. It may not be a good thing for you. Then right. again, you might find out that it is a very good thing for you. But yeah. trial and just like any medication a doctor puts you on, those might be too strong, might not be strong enough. Maybe right. you have this side effect with it and you're not happy about it, so you want to look at something else. 
So it's like any other drug. Um, it's not a cure-all. It's not, you know, going to save the world, but it can make you feel better. Yeah, exactly. And um, so going into a little bit of the magical history, it um, it's noted here that cannabis was certainly one of the first cultivated plants by the time recorded history rolled around it was being used for fiber food medicine recreation and ritual and some have even suggested that it was the first cultivated plant now wouldn't that be interesting i mean i could i would believe it people are going to cultivate what they use and if it's a plant that they needed for medication uh, that would be yeah Thing and rope. It does so much. They're going to plant that before they're going to plant anything that requires a lot of work for a right. little give back. So. And it even says, remember that no other plant is as useful as cannabis because of all the things you can get from it. Yeah, and so that makes sense. Yeah, it really does. It says, um, it is the only plant that with a, a little help from humans produces almost everything needed to build a civilization to the ancient people who really needed to build a civilization and must have seemed particularly magical. Um, and then he talks about what we uh, mentioned before the first pharmacopoeia, um, was in 2737 BC from the red emperor of China, uh, Shenong, and he was giving an honored place to cannabis. And not only did he rec recommend it medicinally for a variety of ailments, but also as the principal ingredient in an elixir of immortality. The fountain of youth. Yeah. So the, elix the elixir had the power to transform a mortal into a transcendent being. Cannabis, he claimed, enabled seekers to forget their own consciousness and attain the Tao. So wow. I thought that was yeah, I thought that was interesting. And it said cannabis remained a medical necessity in China for hundreds, if not thousands of years. With the advent of Confucianism, magical and spiritual use waned. However, Confucianism's alternative, Taoism, continued and even deepened its relationship with the plant. The more mystical and alchemical side of Taoism embraced the use of cannabis in incense and potions of various kinds. The ancient Taoists celebrated eight major deities, or immortals, and one of them was Magu, which is usually translated as hemp maid or auntie hemp, which I thought was funny. <laughs> Not auntie name, auntie hemp. Auntie hemp. And uh, she embodied the spirit of the cannabis plant and presided over the slopes of Taishan Mountain in the hemp-producing region of Shandong, which of Shandong, pilgrims would travel to Taishan Mountain and toss hemp seed from the heights, which was a ritual action intended to bring health and longevity. So it was actually a ritual to drop hemp seeds from above um, for for health and longevity. Some of the many legends about Magu may be based on actual women whose exploits were rolled into one symmetric deity. Now, I thought this was interesting. Magu is always represented as an 18-year-old woman, although 
her real age is infinite. She is known as Immortal Zhu Mao, Infinite Harmony. In Vietnam, and images of Magu adorn restaurant plates to this day, accompanied by the saying Magu Zin Shao, which translates as Hemp Made Offers Longevity. So I thought that was really cool. And if you think about it, I mean, we joked about, you know, Willie Nelson and Tommy Chong and how they're up there and they're big, huge pot smokers. But it makes you think, I mean, if it's healing you and um, I believe Tommy Chong even used it to treat his cancer. He had cancer back in the day. And um, you actually started using it because of the nausea. Yeah. Yep. And because I listened to an interview of his and he was talking about that. Um, So I thought that was interesting. Um, Another thing that I thought was neat was one recent finding and and I skipped ahead here. um, But one recent finding of a Caucasian mummy over 27,000 years old and found in the Gobi Desert, yielded nearly two pounds of cannabis tops in good enough condition to see that it was once a primo herb. And the shaman's gear buried along with the mummy suggests that the ancient ganja was for healing or spiritual purposes. So and two pounds. Let's see, what, what's the jail sentence on two pounds? Right? Uh, that's another thing we got to work on. Um, so one of the heirs to the Aryan traditions, which are the fair skin, blue eyed. Yes, those Aryans, but not the Nazis. So we're not going there. <laughs> Different things. Um, they had a wide ranging nomadic group of people known to us as the Scythians. And also proficient with wild horses Around 600 BC, these warrior shamans swept out from their Central Asian homelands and conquered a vast swath of Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Along with their horsemanship, the prowess in battle, the Scythians were known for wearing tall uh, conical hats, sometimes covered with mystical symbols, which reminds me of a wizard. (laughs) I was just going to say, I have this vision of a wizard on a horse now. And they were frequently covered in tattoos. Their culture was based heavily on the use of cannabis for food, fiber, medicine, and religion. The Scythians had no written language, but left behind a variety of intricately created art objects that tell stories through pictograms. I thought that was really neat. Yeah, they were way ahead of their time. Yeah, and then it says, not surprisingly, their principal deity was Tabidi, a goddess of fire, cannabis, and horses. Right there, you got it all. That's the grand slam for them. Yeah, exactly. They're like, yes, this is what we need. And in 450 BC, the Greek writer Herodotus described a Scythian funeral rite in which mourners gathered in a small tent. A bronze cauldron was filled with cannabis and heated. The tent would fill with cannabis vapor and the participants would cry out in ecstasy. Archaeological finds have confirmed the use of cauldron vaporizers, some of them weighing up to 75 pounds and still containing residue of the Scythian ganja. So it is being found 
in archaeological sites. It's being found in these mummies. You know, it's pretty amazing to think about. I mean, when you think of, it was probably, you know, suggested that it's the first plant, you know. It's pretty amazing that it's illegal now. It really is. It really is. It blows your mind when you stop and look at that. It really does. Yeah. It, it is. And, you know, I mean, what can you do? The, um, oh, and I thought this was kind of interesting too. So among the Scythian warriors were enaries, shamans and magicians who use cannabis to induce trance and prophecy. The enaries were mostly men who dressed in women's clothing and uttered their pronouncements in high-pitched voices. The cross-dressing symbolized crossing between the earthly world and the world of spirit. I thought that was interesting. I'm I like, thought they were going to say the dual, you know, yeah, that's, kind of thing. And yeah. yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, so, I mean, these were like shaman warriors they were huge on the cannabis i mean they used it for everything like food fiber ritual all the whole thing um and then it says throughout the range of the scythian empire we find all three types of cannabis and it is suspected that they use the sativas for fiber and food the indica for medicine and then there's also a part called ruderalis um, for spiritual and recreational purposes the Scythians spread cannabis and its use throughout the then-known world. When they began to settle down, the Scythians merged with the indigenous populations in the Middle East, India, Europe, and the British Islands. Elements of cannabis culture and ritual passed from the Scythians to, among many other tribes, the Trachians, and the nomadic Trachians became known for their ability to produce fine hemp cloth. They also continued the Scythian tradition of weed smoke prophecy. Much of the prophetic fun was associated with their deity Dionysus, who was a Trichian pothead before he became a Greek wino. <laughs> is what the book, is what the book says. Um, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, um, among the Trichians, the Shamans who danced and used cannabis to enter ecstatic trance were known as capnobatai, those who walk in smoke. So I thought that was pretty neat, just getting some, and of course it goes way more in depth. I mean, there's so much information. Um, there was also, uh, let's see, a ritual was, so... Bang remained in common use, which was the Indian drink that we talked about. A ritual was needed to transform the cannabis-infused milk into the sacred be beverage. We likely see the um, vestiges of the Soma in the Roman Catholic Mass in which a ritual transforms wine and crackers into the flesh and blood of the God. A transfiguration. Yep. And then it says, Amrita was the elixir of immortality of the gods, a vast ocean of milk that needed to be pressed and churned, just as a bowl of Soma might be prepared, only on a godly scale, creating the world itself. 
The churning was dangerous, the Amrita was poisoned, and it fell to Shiva, and a snake to purify the milky ocean. And it was messy. And then it says, um, When the sacred nectar spattered from the heavens, wherever a drop landed, a cannabis plant would grow. So this is going into the myth of the creation of um, Shiva found the plants and gave them to humans so they might experience delight, courage, and heightened sexual pleasure. Shiva is also the master of yoga, and with his guidance, the yogi might achieve good health, long life, and visions of the gods through the use of ganja. Even today, dreadlock sadhus consecrate their smoke to Shiva as a meditation practice and bowls of bang are churned and purified in Shiva's honor. So who would have known this about Shiva? It's interesting that it's from the gods. You know, it's yeah. like all the good plants or all the good sources of nutrition and things are gifts of the gods. You yes. know, wine, beer, you know, it, it's interesting to see how they trace it back to their gods. But yeah, it's really interesting. And Magu, I heard of Magu when I first did the the workshop. When I did the workshop, he talked a lot about that, and it was just fascinating. And Jason said, "Oh, that should be your uh, patron deity for your order." And I was like, "Ooh, you might be on to something." Ooh, now we have a deity. I know. I like the book as I was looking through it for a lot of little the little things that he tells you. Yeah, it's really interesting. He has like so many nuggets of information. Um, it's and pretty. It good. explains a lot of things. Um, they did a thing on ancestors, and illustration of the ancestors is coming up, so that kind of fits right in with everything we're talking about. But it's it's little things like now they're understanding from our ancestors. Okay, that. Um, you inherit eye color, hair color, um, body build, so many different things, but there's always been a thought. Do we inherit genetically some of our traits ethically? Like right. if you are an ethnic group, do some of those, I don't know, like dreams or some of the things that happen, are they handed down through your genetics? Um, there has been a lot of thought that our DNA records everything we do, kind of like our, our brain records everything, even though we can't bring it back, it's in there somewhere. Right. That maybe we also retain some of our ancient ancestors, inherited um, different types of things, of what happened to them, if there were traumas and things like that like they know that in a family two and three generations can experience trauma from the first generation right it's kind of like because the person acted that way their children act that way and then their children act that way so it becomes genetically implanted everybody does it so there there's been a big talk about that and it's fascinating because when you start looking back at cultures where they started and what how they actually began and like the Scythians and, and people like that. Some of the cultures that are no longer around, are we carrying some of their genetic traits? 
yeah, it's interesting to think about for sure. Because you think about the lineage and, you know, ancestry that you may not have a clue about, you know. And, and that's, I found it fascinating. Now, we do know that genetically, if you are of one ethnic group, usually you find your partner of that same ethnic group because that's what appeals to you. And they're not sure if it's genetically that's why you like it or if it's just because everybody, you grow up thinking that's somebody beautiful. Like if it's social, right? Right. If it, it's the nature versus nurture thing. Right. And, they, and they've talked about that because like if you are of one culture, you tend to marry in that culture and you find something in that culture that epitomizes the perfect girl or man. Right. And is it the culture that does it or is it the genetics mm. that causes you to like that person? Is it because genetically you should like the same person that has the same ethnic background as you, you know, or is it that because now we were, we are a melting pot now we're all mixed up, but is it because, um, we stepped out a little bit on that, but, you can still see people still ethic in their own ethnic culture, ethnic cultures, and they stay that way. Right. So well, it's, and you have like the, like the traditional, you know, the arranged marriages still and see right. that in certain places. So, yeah. So he talks about the ancestors. And when you start talking about ancestors, um, you, we're not talking, grandma and grandpa we're talking great 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 you know we're going way back right. um and there's a lot of ancestors around and you have a lot that you don't know about because i'm sure there's some that you don't even know their names but um he he says in here and i, I really liked it because he's like you know you may have inherited physical traits eye color size um, you also might pass along habits and experiences. And that's what they're saying about our DNA. Is it recording experiences? Mm, interesting. Or is it just recording chemical reactions? There, right. There's been a whole school of thought on that one. And it was interesting because he says, um, while some of the studies only addressed fear, and fear is something that they're saying is what it's called an epigenetic and it's because it's in us and how we react to it and do we react genetically or do we react from the spontaneity of it happening at that second and they said there's certain and they've proven it there are certain shapes that make us pull back mm -hmm. even if we're not we're not cognizantly aware of a lion if right show a lion to an African, they, they draw back because it's, it's a symbol of fear and strength. So, you know, is that because that's what they've been taught or are they genetically from ancestors afraid of that because of an experience? Hmm. Yeah. The, the lions used to come and eat them, you know, lunch. Um, <laughs> but they're saying that while some of the studies address only address fear, they're starting to look at successive generations as phobias. Um, it's certainly possible that other complex behaviors are transmitted as well. So when you look at this psychologically, even with medicine, how does your genetic background mix with the medication 
they're giving you. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we know that cannabis has been out there since, oh my goodness, no, too long. Right. But a lot of these new drugs that we're taking haven't. So I'm wondering, there's genetic differences in different ethnic groups. I'm wondering if sometimes the medication we're being given, they're not looking at the person that's getting the medication. Right. Does your ethnic group actually, can they use that medication or does it turn into something else? Yeah. And I think, I think that's why they mainly look at maybe not, maybe not as open as like a group uh, of people as much as like why they ask about family history and things like that. But how, how many of us know more than like our grandparents, if that we'll be lucky if we knew our great grandparents and they're, but that didn't necessarily mean we knew their medical history. You know, it's like, right, and you might not know what the ethnic background is of your great grandparents. Right. Um, my mother came to this country. Her parents didn't. I'm guessing that, you know, what they right. are. But I'm wondering because depending on where they're really from, like their parents, their grandparents. Right. You know, you live in America for four generations. You're American. But no, you are genetically this. That's why everybody's doing the ancestry and 23 and me and all this, you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, what is my ethnic background? And I think as medicine progresses, they're going to have to start looking at that. Mm -hmm. What is your background? What is your ethnic? Because we know that there are certain ethnic groups where um, lactose intolerance is very high, where t uh, certain medications don't work. Right this group, their genetic makeup fights it. So if we're looking at that, we know that this has been around forever, basically. You right. know, I mean, if they're talking about it being in the first cultivated plant, come on, let's <laughs> right. be honest. This has been around forever. So exactly. I would think something of this age has proven itself over the millions of years to prove that genetically everybody is probably okay with this because we're like you said we're seeing it in every culture now it's not just the chinese it's they're finding you know dead people of course they're finding all of these ancient dead people and they've all got pot on them so it's like okay we they've been gathering this stuff for a while but it's all the cultures it's not just like right is just Native American. Right. That's right there. It's mm -hmm. Native American. We know where it's from. It grows right there. It belongs to them. But this has been grown, what, all over the world? Pretty much. I mean, it started in, it started in, you know, Asia and Europe and, you know, the Middle East, but it's come over. I mean, if you have, it can, it can be grown pretty much anywhere. And I think he even mentioned this in his book somewhere, anywhere except for possibly Antarctica. And I mean, even then, if you got like a grow, you know, they have these like grow little rooms where you can stick, yeah. a, stick a few in there and zip it up. And it's got like a, all sort like a, you could put your lights in there. So, I mean. So as long yeah. as you can grow 
it will grow. Right. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying with a lot of medications and stuff. They're also new that, and why new, I mean, maybe a generation or two or three, but we're talking something that's been around since, you know, the dawn of time. Yeah. Um, and that's why I, I was curious about it when I was reading it, because there are certain ethnic groups that have certain kinds of cancer more often. There are ethnic groups that have higher risk of heart attack. I mean, when you start looking at the medical stuff and then you're going like, okay, why does this group necessarily get this disease more than this group? Right. And then when you start looking at the, then that tells you then your drugs have to be more specifically designed or, or made for that ethnic group. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. And, um, I wanted to touch on a couple more modern ways that you can incorporate cannabis in your spiritual practice, and then we can move on to more about Beltane. The, um, the, so you can do a ritual, um, and they, he has something in his book called the natural ganja ritual. And, um, It says, in general, cannabis seems to have an affinity for ritual and it tends to promote natural ritual behaviors, even in those who don't intentionally practice magic. It's not surprising to find that naturally evolving cannabis rituals reflect the um, cultural milieu, (laughs) I don't know what that is, sorry. Um, in which the ritual takes place along with overall patterns that frequently parallel the consciously directed ritualizing of the magic. In other words, the rituals are pretty similar whether we decide that we are doing magic ritual or just getting high with friends. (laughs) So what he's saying is you don't have to necessarily intentionally do a ritual. It can be done all on its own without you even thinking about it. Um, and he breaks down the ritual into different sections. Um, the first being intent and saying that, you know, obviously ritual usually begins with an intent and, um, in a typical North American cannabis session, the idea is often enhancement of another activity. So the intent stated at the outset is often something in the order of, Let's get high and create art, watch the sunset, play a game, sing a song, write a book. Um, And then, of course, the participants are decided. The setting um, is frequently improvised. You can find a safe place free from distractions or interruptions from non-participants. And um, sorry, guys, my allergies are bothering me. And then the tools you can use. So in places where cannabis and tobacco are not generally mixed together, cannabis smoking implements are often never used to smoke anything else. Um, The design of cannabis pipes and rolling papers is frequently different from those used for tobacco. Um, So he was just saying you could use consecrated different tools like different pipes and things like that you would just use for ritual 
or just for cannabis, not necessarily for ritual. Although it would be kind of cool to have the designated pipe that you use just for ritual and not for, not for fun. Not for fun. Um, kind of like we have our chalices that we use right. just for ritual. Exactly. Um, another interesting thing was that um, we talked about doing yoga and there's something that he talks about called the yogic toke. And it's basically the same thing as a yogic breath, except you're inhaling cannabis smoke or vapor um, when you do it. So you're going to keep it gentle and know your technique and material ahead of time to avoid coughing. And by material, he means what you're smoking and how strong it is and things like that. Um, repeat it until you have achieved your desired state. Note how this may change the quality of the high or other aspects of the experience. And he goes in to talk about pranayama breathing, um, yogic breath. He goes into more detail, which is really good. And a couple other ways you can do basic chakra activation, which I thought was interesting. Um, chakras and smoke activation. So you can take a large inhalation of smoke or vapor before chanting each chakra um, imagining the smoke flowing through the chakra. So you know how a lot of times we'll do the ball of white light going through each chakra and cleansing. Well, you can envision instead of the ball of white light, you can envision the white smoke or, you know, envision it in a different way while you're consuming. And then you can chant the appropriate sound at least three times before moving on to the next chakra. Notice how they change. Uh, notice how this may change the experience of the chakra meditation, and how the chakra meditation can change the experience of getting high. And what he means by the the chanting of the appropriate chakra sound is, um, they all have different mantras associated with them. If you haven't mm -hmm. seen that before, mm -hmm. so the the chakra at the very base of the spine um, is red. And that's the root chakra. And the mantra is uh, lamb. A few inches above that, the chakra is orange and the sound is van. The solar plexus is yellow and ram. The heart chakra in the center of the chest is green and the sound is yam. The throat chakra is blue and the mantra is ham. Above that, the third eye chakra is indigo and the sound is om. The crown chakra just above the head is violet and is observed in silence. So you can chant all three of those um, and envision the smoke. You, there's also an exercise where you can work with a partner to, to clear the chakras, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then it had a section on divination, which I thought was really neat. I found that fascinating because divination is where we're anyway pulling psychic energy and trying to build up, um, right. release the stress and all the grief that's going on during the day in order to be able to get the psychic um, divination to come through. So I find it really fascinating that he's actually talking on divination. Yeah, and you can basically... Um what he goes in to say is basically you can consume and do things, you know, before you start scrying and you can choose different mediums for that. Um, he also talks about 
you know, the wake and bake method, which we've all kind of heard about that being a thing. Um, there's different uh, group charging that he does, uh, talks about. And there's a whole big ritual about planting and different things you can do for the soil. And the other thing that I found was um, writing sigils on your papers, like on your rolling papers before you smoke. So if you had an intention, you can get and you want to use pencil or, you know, something not lead and non-toxic, of course. Um, but you can draw little sigils on your papers and think about that while you're consuming. And it's kind of like dressing your candle. Yes, exactly. And you could also use that for, or if you made cannabis oil, you can dress the candle with that. With the cannabis oil itself. So, I mean, there's so multiple, much. multiple, multiple ways. Yes. Of using it in ritual. And he was very clear about how to do a lot of the rituals are actually written in there. So I yeah. thought that was fascinating. It was really neat. There's so much. I mean, we could go on, but yes. yes. But I want to hear more about Beltane. But first, we're going to do a quick commercial. <laughs> so as, I'm so sorry. Um, as we said last week, we are doing a keyword of the week. We did, we had the same, we're going to have the same word for last week and this week. And on May 2nd, we're doing a short little show after illustration ritual. And we will, um, that will be the last time that we say the word. And then that night at 9 p.m. Eastern time, we will take whoever has emailed us with the keyword and the right answer. And then we'll do a little shuffle thing, a spinny wheel, and you'll be able to win free tea time merch. So the keyword is Hersini, H-U-R-S-I-N-I. The only thing is to required to enter is just that you go to our YouTube channel, Tea Time with Mother and Crone, and you subscribe, and you just email teatimemc at gmail.com with your correct answer for a chance to win. And when we get the winner, um, we're going to need your email account. Obviously, when you sign in, um, we will contact you by your email account. So there will be no, you know. Right, right. Everybody's is held safe. Yes, yes, yes. So it'll be exciting. But I want to know more about Beltane. Beltane is our wonderful fertility ritual. Um, I was trying to describe it today to a friend who had asked about it. Uh, non-pagan friend and it's kind of like okay now how do I describe this back in the day we used to have what we called Sadie Hawkins dances where the girls would ask the guys yeah it's right well it's kind of like that yeah the time where most of the time the women make the decision on who they're going to take mm -hmm. and it was done um you have to remember at one time we women were like equal with men not like today, mm -hmm. um, right. where we make less. But back in the day, we were pretty much equal. And for a woman to choose you uh, was something very special. It's something that wasn't always done. So it's kind of special in that way. It's basically fertility. And what we're celebrating is the fact of the earth just blooming again and us being able to get out of our houses where we were cooped up all winter and to enjoy nature 
as she's showing her herself all the colors the smells the allergies no the pollen no gosh they're killing me they're killing me. i know it's it's terrible um florida is really good for that but when you look at it it is the rebirth of the earth is what we're really celebrating right and we celebrate goddess at this time she's kind of young still you know she's that still that maiden but the maiden will soon turn into the mother as she partakes of the Beltane ritual. Yes. So to let people out there know it's fertility and you know what earth day. Um, I hope somebody woke up and realized it was earth day. Yes. Um, and that is a celebration of the earth. So it's just so cool that it's so close to Beltane. So yeah. We are out there. If we want to see the earth be fruitful and if we want to see the animals multiply and everything work out, then we have to do our part too. And exactly. for Beltane, and I like to push this all the time, but the little things that you can do to help things and help lower your carbon footprint also mm -hmm. helps the earth. And it also helps us at Beltane. Um, a lot of pagans, have those extra bags in their car when they go grocery shopping we take our own bags that cuts out the plastic mm -hmm. um a lot of us uh i know when we go to the beach and i live two minutes from the beach so i'm there a lot um our beach actually has car cartons little um like baskets oh cool like they have at the grocery stores and you can take it go along the beach, collect it, fill it up, take pictures of it, send it to the St. Pete Times, and they publish them. That's cute. So it's a way to get you to pick up after yourself. Isn't that a shame we have to oh, yeah. that way? But little things that you do, and I wanted to take this chance to get Beltane out there like it really should be. It's about fertility, yes. It's about living. It's about renewing. And when you come out out of the winter time and i know i used to live up north so coming out of winter this time of year they, they had snow yesterday so you oh, know I, saw. Um, I know it was horrible but when you're looking at the earth and you're thinking about well what can we do you know i can't do anything i'm one person um as one person you don't have to use plastic straws as right. one person you don't have to use anything plastic Right. There are so many things out there to use instead. Yes. Um, and yeah. And I, I'll never forget. I, I saw a video one time of these fishermen out in the ocean and they, they caught a sea turtle up on the boat and it had stuck in its nose, this skinny, like Capri straw, Capri sun straw with like the pointy end but it had eroded into his nostril. They, I mean, it was very hard for them to get it out of him, but they did, which was great. But it's like, you don't think about even something so skinny, teeny tiny as like that, but it's really, really affecting the, the animals out there. You know, you see all those videos with the little beer can, the little plastic six pack things getting stuck. And I mean, it's just how hard is it to throw away your crap? I mean, They're really. even talking about toothbrushes. Now, a lot of people, most people have plastic toothbrushes. Mm -hmm. um, they're actually working to get bamboo handles and kind of like bamboo brushes to even cut down on that. Now, I live in 
uh, an area that's called Gulfport. Uh, it's in the city of St. Pete, St. Petersburg. And you do not get a choice of straws here. You either get paper or none. Right. Most people around here, and I'm one of them, carry uh, metal straws. Um, because if you want to drink something, um, you're not nowadays, especially with COVID and everything, you don't want to drink out of the glass, right? Take your own straw with you. And I counted up. I mean, I drink a lot when I go out, you know, sodas or water or whatever. And you start looking about how many straws I would be throwing away. Oh, I know. Any away. It goes back in my purse when I get home. It's got a little case and everything. I come home, I get my little brush and I clean it. It goes back <laughs> in my pocketbook. And it may sound like, oh my God, all of that. But I've been doing this for over a year now. Yeah. I don't have straws. And it's, it's like I said, little steps. Do a little bit here and a little bit here. And you'd be surprised. Um, just that. Just carrying my lunch in my lunch bag. Um, trying not to use the Ziploc bags, trying to instead use, you know, reusable containers and trying right. to get away from plastic containers using yeah. glass or, um, metal. Have the, yeah. And they also have now the, um, like the, not styrofoam, but the, like the egg carton, like yeah. cardboard type of that they're making with the boxes. But yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, if a little, if every person did just one little thing, what a huge impact that would make, you know. And people don't think about it. You think about Beltane, of course, we think it's our sex holiday and all like that. But let's break it down to what it really is. It's a rebirth, and the Earth is rebirthing. So let's kind of look at ourselves and rebirth. Let's start yeah. something new, and let's let's try to be a little bit easier on Mother Nature because she's having some tough time right now. Yeah. For sure. That's all I have on Beltane. Well, it was a great series. And next week we will have something for you. Um, like we said, it's just going to be a short one um, as we get ready for lustration. So we're excited about that. That's going to be a little bit different. We're not going to give too much away about that one. But we are excited and please don't forget to go to our YouTube channel, Tea Time with Mother and Crone, and subscribe. Click the little bell so you can get notifications when we go live. And if you're a subscriber, we're doing a new thing now where you get to see us live while we're recording. Um, so you get like a sneak peek of a few days before it goes out on Sundays, which is cool. And um, if you have any questions, you can always message the Facebook page or... Again, teatimemc at gmail.com. And um, Pam also has her virtual circle that she does. That's coming up. You're doing a Beltane ritual. So that's going to be exciting. Um, and if you're interested in the illustration, um, it is April 30th through the 2nd. And if you go to corellianlustration.com, you can register there. And there's going to be workshops and a really awesome ritual on Sunday. So good stuff. All right. Well, we're done another show. So I guess we're going to see you guys next week. Yes, we will. Thank you again. Bye.